Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. The Jansons, uh, the timing is unique because as the Jansons are heading to Texas, then um, Willow just showed up. And uh, Cameron and Megan are sisters. And so, did I say, well, I mean, he's, you know, you know. Uh, Cameron and Micah just had a baby, and I thought it was the Jansen, like the Jansen side of the family where they were just charging to church like the day after they had a baby. But it must be the key side because they're, they're here at church, and they just had a baby. So keep your distance because we don't want Willow getting sick, but they're here. Um, so I'm going to share with you a very scary word this morning, and for that reason, I want us to pray. Father, give us, um, give us eyes and ears and a heart to hear what you would have us hear. Not what I would want to say, but what you would want to say and have us hear this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a word uh, that when you mention it at church or anywhere, it gets a little freaky. Um, the word is disciple. Disciple. It's disciple. <laughs> so this is bouncing all over the place. Sorry about that. Give me a sec here. Let me try to get it back where it's supposed to be. Can you put it on... Um, Heidi, can you, it's bouncing around. Can you make sure it goes to the, the message, the rhythm of Jesus? Thank you. Perfect. So the word is disciple. And if you call yourself a Christian, it's just nice and safe. It's easy. You can, you can say all kinds of things. You can believe all kinds of things with the word Christian. But once you start throwing out disciple, it's like, ooh, ah, now we're getting serious. Um, and there's a person that's here this morning, that actually makes me feel that way. They inspire me, but they also intimidate me. So this, this, this guy, when he's in town, he's in town, I mean, he travels a lot, but when he's around, he's here. And when he shows up, he shows up with this composition book. Uh, you know, like the kind, well, some of you don't know because you're not in high school yet, but if you're in high school, they say, you need to get a composition book. And it's just this book that you write in. Now everything's done digitally, but back in the old days... We'd write in these books, and he comes in, and he's leaning forward. He always seems to take an aisle seat, and he grabs his little book, and he's leaning forward with his pen like this, and he's looking at me. I know that when he gets here, it's no joke, because he's taking notes. And he's not taking notes so that he can send me an email later and go, you know, you were talking about Luke 9, and I really think you missed the boat on this. And did you think about the eschological repercussions of what he did? He knows all those things because he's been studying, but it's his... When he comes in and the pen comes out and the composition book comes out and he starts leaning forward, that's when I start getting intimidating because I start thinking, Lord, you better show up because he's not coming to hear from me. He's coming to hear from you. And whatever he hears from you, he's going to put it into action because he's a student. He is a follower. He is an adherent. He is an apprentice to you, Lord. He's a student. And so it's that, it's, it's that physical posture even. It's not even just the composition book and the pen. 
It's that attitude of, I'm moldable. I'm changeable. Lord, I am yours. And this man is, um, in the world's eyes, kind of a big deal. He's the CEO of a large, I think he's CEO, I don't know his official title. He's a big wig, you know, kind of has to wear a suit, but he's high enough that he doesn't have to wear a suit, you know, like when you reach that level. And yet, all of that, his wife, his children, everything, he is placed before the Lord, his job, his anything material, it's all his. Lord, what would you do with this? That's what a disciple is. There's a guy that lives here in this neighborhood, actually. And uh, so I was doing some research, and I saw his name pop up, and, and my wife knows him, and I've met him a few times, and a few people from our church know him. And he did an informal study uh, at churches. He went to different groups, and he asked them, uh, are you a Christian? So we went to these different groups, and so, of course, at a church, most people say, yeah, I'm a Christian. So I don't, I don't know what the percentage was, but it was really high. And then he asked, are you a disciple? The amount of people that responded disciple was so much lower than Christian. Why? Do we know what a Christian is? Do we know what a disciple is? I want to make sure that we understand that word disciple because there shouldn't be a difference if you're asked, are you a Christian or a disciple? Because as a Christian, you're a disciple. As a disciple, you're a Christian. They go together. The word disciple scares us, but the word Christian doesn't. Ah, oh, sure, I'm a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. But you can't separate that from disciple because when you are making the decision to follow Christ, disciple comes with it and everything that's with it. And we're a disciple in so many other areas of our life. When I was a kid, I was a disciple. Didn't know that. Nobody ever used that word. But I was a, a student. I brought, I, I even had a notebook. I literally had a notebook with a pen for baseball because that was my goal. I was a disciple of baseball, and I was going to be the best. And so the way to be a disciple is you look and see what everyone else is doing. You listen to your coaches, of course. But um, before cable and all that, I would watch TV this week in baseball. I'd watch that. I'd watch all the best players, and I started copying everything they did. My favorite team, I know this is a shock to many of you because I only mention it every week, is the Dodgers. And so I would, I would watch all of them, and we'd go out and play real baseball, but then we'd, I'd find other excuses to practice, and I'd, uh, I'd be out in our little apartment complex, and I would, I would copy all the batting stances. You know who this is, don't you, Rick, right? This is Dusty Baker. I copied everything he did. So then my favorite player, Reggie Smith, he's left-handed, so I started batting left-handed too. And it had his face open like that too. So I had to do it, right? Because if that's what he's doing, that's what I want to do. Um... They had this uh, pitcher from the Red Sox, and he was really successful, and he was just weird, but I copied it. It was, uh, for, it was um, Louis Tion, and he'd go like this, and I thought it'd freak out the batter, so I'd go like this, oh, can't see me, and then I'd come back around, because he was so successful with it. I was a disciple of him as well. I wanted to learn how to do that, and then, of course, uh, one of the kings of all time, he's left-handed, I'm right-handed, but I did anyways, Fernando Valenzuela. And then I'd come back. I mean, I copied them all because I was a disciple. I was a student. I wanted to imitate them because I trusted them. That was the life I wanted. We do it in all kinds of things in life, but we don't realize it. Some things we take serious. Some things we don't. Uh, some of the things that we take serious, um, I have a few friends that are taking tennis lessons and golf lessons. Why are they paying so much attention? 
because they're paying for it. And if you ever want to make it big, become someone that gives golf lessons or tennis lessons. Because my friends, they're like, no, no, I can't be late because I only have this much time. And they're, even, they're, they're watching everything. They're coming back. They're watching YouTube videos. They're studying it. Um, if you've ever gone to the doctor and, you know, you go in for your normal checkup and then they surprise you with, oh, we found something. What? Could be an illness. Could be a disease. It could be one of the big diseases. When they say that, you're like, wait, hold, slow down. You start leaning forward in your chair because you want to know. But if you're just getting your blood pressure and you're expecting a good bit of health, you're just kind of laid back. Oh, I just need to get this over with. But once it becomes real life, then you're asking the questions. You turn in your taxes every year, not a big deal. You get, maybe you do your own taxes. Maybe you have someone that prepares your taxes. But then, and it's going to happen someday, you're going to get that little piece of paper that says, oh, hi, we're the IRS. We need to talk with you. What? Then you go to your tax guy, and you've got your, you've got your computer out. You've got your laptop. You've got your iPad. You've got your composition book. You're ready to go because this is now serious business. You don't want to mess up. There's so many areas in which we take it serious and so many others that we don't. I've shared this with you before, and I'm a big fan of this. If you're married, you need to have a coach. Maybe it's another couple. Uh, maybe it's a counselor or a therapist. Um, so my wife and I, we have different therapists that we know, and, and we'll go and visit them at different times of, you know, during the season of our life. And there are coaches. And I remember the most recent time, uh, this last year, when we were uh, meeting with him, and he started saying these things, and I'd leave, and I forgot. I was like, this is ridiculous. He's saying such good stuff. I need to write this down. So I, I, I have it on my phone. I said, you know, can you go over that again? And I started writing things down. And some friends of mine, when they go to counselors or therapists, they tape the whole thing so they can go through it again. Because if it matters to you, if it's something that you're devoted to and you're committed to, you're going to lean forward. So I kind of wanted to hide my friend here this morning. So you notice all these composition books. Look around, you'll see them like every other seat. Those are for you to take. No one's grabbing one. Now I want to, oh, thank you. So those should all be gone unless you have your phones out and you're taking notes because when we gather as the body of Christ, we're disciples. Now we know that some of you are coming and visiting and checking things out. Don't worry about it, fam. You can doodle, you can whatever, but you need to decide, where am I standing in this? Am I a Christian or Am I a disciple? Because they're not separate. They come together. Here, let's take a look at it. So this is going to blow your mind a little bit. But in the Bible, just the New Testament, just the New Testament, the word disciple is mentioned 261 times. The word Christian, three. Let's go over that again. Let's let that sink in. The word Christian is mentioned three times in the entire Bible. The word disciple, student, follower, apprentice is mentioned 261 times. As we see here, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So there was this group of followers of Jesus, not just the apostles, not just the 12 that shrunk down to 11 and then went back up to 12. We're talking about the disciples, 
all of those that had made the decision to put their trust in Jesus. And they said, we are disciples now. But that group of disciples were then called Christians by the people that were outside of their group. And it's, when you think about it, it's not a very positive term that they threw on them. Because the word Christ means Messiah. But these people that called them Christians weren't, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the chosen one, the Son of God come back. So they said, you know, those Messianists, like this little name. Or another way to, to translate Christians is little Christs. You see, this culture that Jesus was a part of, there was a rhythm. There was a, a, a beat that kind of ran through. Was it? It's like an idiom. If you have an idiom in a culture, it's like you say something, like hit the nail on the head. We all know what that means. Try saying that in Malawi. They have no idea what you're talking about because it's a certain saying. Well, there's certain patterns and rhythms in a culture. And in Jesus' culture, there was an understanding that there were rabbis or teachers and their students. In fact, this is one of the most uh, common phrases that you would hear during that time. It was at least 100 years before Jesus came. This was part of the rhythm of the culture. And Jesus grew up in this Jewish culture. And the saying was this. It's, uh, well, I won't tell you exactly where it came from because it'll just hurt your head. But let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis. Rabbis were the teachers, the masters. Rabbi... The word literally means the master. So let your house be a meeting place for the, the rabbis, the masters, the teachers. And cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. So what does that mean to cover yourself in the dust of their feet? Well, it was typical that a teacher would sit in a chair like this or a little lower. And then the disciples, the students that he chose... Because the rabbis, you had to be chosen to be a student. And so these students would come and sit at his feet. They didn't have travertine. They didn't have distressed wood floors. They didn't have, uh, you know, patina, concrete. They had dirt. And so they were in that dirt. And as we've shared before, when the disciples would follow the rabbi, much like I was trying to copy these baseball players... These disciples would follow the rabbis by walking behind them. How did they walk? Where did they walk to? How did they talk with the people on the street? When they went to order their taco, how did they get it? Because that's how I'm going to do it. Did they throw on the taco sauce? Did they go hot, medium, mild? Whatever they did, how they interacted, how they rested, the goal of the student was to imitate the rabbi. And so this saying was, look, be a people that are always learning. Let many rabbis come in and watch them and listen to them and lean forward with your composition book. Pay attention. Cover yourself in the dust of their feet, being so close to them that you get dusty. And drink in their words thirstily. That's why when, when Paul was talking about his life, Paul the Apostle, he said, I learned at the feet of Gamaliel. He was under his feet because that was his rabbi. But then Paul makes this decision and says, you know what, I'm following the wrong guy. I follow Jesus now. And so he tried to jump in with the other disciples, and it says in uh, Acts uh, 9.26, 
He tried to hang out with the disciples of Jesus, and they're like, I don't know about this guy. We don't know if he's one of the students. Is he really trying to follow Jesus, or is he doing what he did earlier? Is he trying to get in so he can get us all killed? That word disciple is not a new word. In fact, this word, this lifestyle, this rhythm, even Jesus was a student. Do you remember now? Do you remember where he was coming in, sitting at the feet and listening? It's when he was a youth. So he got lost from his parents. They went into Jerusalem. He's about 12, 13, 14. We're not exactly sure. I'm looking at Brock and Max. We'll say he's about your age. And at Brock and Max's age, he's in Jerusalem, and they've got this big uh, caravan, or as, what do you call it when you line up when you're going on a road trip and all the cars are together? We don't call it a caravan. What do we call that? <laughs> There's another word we use that's even better. It's going to come to me at the very end, and I'm going to tell you. A lot of cars. Thanks, Matt. That's exactly what I was looking for. So when you have a lot of cars, they had a lot of cars. They're all lined up, ready to leave Jerusalem. But, oh, my gosh, that Jesus, he's missing again. And so they go looking for him. Everybody's looking for him because you can't really leave and go hundreds of miles away without your son. And so they find him. And when they find him, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting Notice he's sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking questions. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said to the Father, if you can take this cup from me, please take it. But not my will but yours be done. This is a rhythm that Jesus is trying to show us. Do you think Peter, James, and John didn't see that? Whoa, you don't even want to, you don't even feel like doing this physically. You're asking the Father in heaven to let you out of this, but you're also saying, but your will be done because you're the master. I'm the student, and I will mold. That is our rabbi. That's who we're following. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead and he was with his apostles and his disciples, he said, go and make what? Disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and make Christians. See, here's the problem with that term, especially today. There was nothing wrong with the term back then, but we've taken it and we've watered it down. Did you know that only 39% of active believers think that the Bible is the word of God? Just 39% of Christians think the Bible is the word of God. Only 20% believe in living out what the Bible taught about generosity and financial giving. That all things belong to God and that we need to give to him first. And that it all belongs to him and we need to ask him where we should spend it. Notice how the percentages keep going down. Only 5% of Christians have shared their faith in their life. How is that possible? 
Are we a Christian or are we a disciple? The rhythm that Jesus was trying to teach us was the life of a disciple. That's why it kept being brought up all the time. can't hide from that word. But here's the beauty of that word, and I want to make sure that we don't leave without hearing this. When you make the decision to enroll, then something happens. I'm not saying life gets easy, but God begins to do something inside of us because we will always miss out if we are not committed, if we're not devoted. That's why in Acts, it says the early church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. They were devoted to it. Not like, ah, when I feel like it, then, you know, if it fits my schedule, then I'll be in the Word. If I, if I finished everything else, then I will pray. No, there's this element of I'm all in. And when, it, when you make that decision, you're making the decision. Don't wait for someone to tap you on the shoulder. I think I've shared this before, but, and, and, and we have this mistaken idea that discipleship happens either by hearing teachers or coming on a Sunday morning. That's not where discipleship starts. It's a part of it, but you shouldn't wait for someone to tap you to be your disciple or your rabbi. You need to go find it because Jesus let everyone come. He was a rabbi, but the best of the best would be chosen by the rabbis, and Jesus just chose the plain James. People like me, people like you, come on in. Because he saw who we were. And there's a guy named Randy, and I think I've shared this before, but I'll probably share it every other week if it gets across. And I looked at this guy's life, and I wanted to follow him as he was following Christ. Because I saw in him what I needed. And I told him, I said, hey, Randy, when I grow up, I'm like 25 at this time, I said, when I grow up, I want to be like you. He's like, oh, that sounds great. You would think that at that moment he'd go, oh, yeah, let's get together. You know what? Let's set up a schedule. He just nodded and smiled. He, has, he smiles all the time, so he has these, like, crazy, like, crow's nest things going off his eyes because he's always smiling for his entire life. And then he proceeded for the next two years to blow me off. I mean, I pursued him relentlessly. But that's not an excuse. Well, I tried. What was I going to do? No. I knew what I needed. When I was a kid playing baseball, I didn't go, hey, well, once I meet Dusty Baker, then he's going to teach me how to. No, I'm like, hey, you ain't going to come near me. I'm going to come near you. And so every trip we had to take as a Young Life staff, I would call the, de the, the headquarters, the place where, the, and it sounds like really fancy, it's basically an office with a desk and a chair. And I would call and say, hey, I need to be in Randy. Yeah, I got it, Boog. You want to be with Randy? Okay, it's all set up. Hey, on this conference, I get it, Boog. Because I'd called so many times. So after two years, I'm going to all of these things. I'm, I'm going down to Encinitas to spend time with him. I'm trying to, hey, you want to go surf? Hey, what do you? He did all these things I was totally not interested in, like kayaking and mountain biking. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do that with you. Because I wanted to be near him. And after two years, and he just brought this up recently, he said, okay, I know when you first asked, it may seem like I ignored you. I went, yeah. He goes, I did. On purpose. He goes, because I, I, I'm, he's old. <laughs> I've had people ask this for years. 
And then they just kind of float away. I needed to know you were serious. Are you serious? Because you cannot separate Christian from disciple. We need to move from being passive to active. That's what it means to be a disciple. I mean, I'm, I, just made, I just made, not eye contact because his head was down, but I just saw where that guy was, the one that's among us, and he's just leaning down. He's, he's not just like this. Ugh, are you going to say something funny, Bug? Are you going to say something that's going to affect me for today? Like, he's still leaning forward. He's got the glasses on. He's writing. It's moving from being passive to active. It's moving from dating to being married. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because you can date. And when you're dating, here's the most. You're kind of observing, but you're really there to receive. And there's been situations, you know, uh, mentoring and walking with young people, sometimes older people, where you're like, why are you guys still dating? And it's not always the guy. Sometimes it's the lady. Sometimes it's been pain in their background. But it's because they know that once you get married, it's serious, right? It's one thing to date, but it's another thing to talk about marriage. Whoa, 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 slow it down. Ease your role. Because there's that moment when it becomes serious. I was talking to a friend about it this week. He said, it's like enrolling. Think of this moment in your life when you enrolled. Not when someone enrolled you into something. Like, yeah, I remember when I was enrolled in the league. No, you don't. Your parents did that. I'm talking about like when you had to enroll yourself in something. Maybe it was a class. Maybe it was a, a group. But when you stepped out and you knew, okay, once I do this, I'm in. I remember going to college. My dad didn't go with me. Because I chose a college he didn't want me to go to. And so I went to the college, and I went into the loan department. Not a wise decision for those of you who are young. And I walked in, and I said, this is the school I want to go to. What do I need to do? They told me how much it costs. I went, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Oh, well, here's some loan papers. And I remember looking at those numbers and going, whew, all right, and taking those papers home. And going, once I do this, it's on. It's like buying your first house. It sounds really cool until you see all those zeros. And you're like, whoa, like, I'm in. Like, I'm in. I remember this one couple in particular, and I want to close with this as we lead towards landing this plane. They've been dating for a while. I'd known them since they were in high school. I'd known the guy since he was in junior high. And he had gone, he was up at school at Santa Barbara, and they've been dating for a few years now. And he was just dating. And I'd ask him, Are you gonna get married? Well, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. And his girlfriend said, You know what? I I love you. But it's time to move on. What do you mean? Well, we've been dating for a long time. There comes a time when it's either, and you fill in the phrase you want, but either we're getting married or, or I've got to move on. And this guy was the most cruiser, laid back, whatever. He got serious at that point. He called me up. Man, she's like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I, I can't lose her. And they got married. They have an amazing marriage. His life would have been so much less if he wasn't devoted. And he is 
transformed as a man over the years through this marriage. And I, I plan on sharing this, but I think this is important to share because it's someone that many of us know. It's uh, Steve and Lori Schenkenberger. And Steve got in an accident, and um, right now he's struggling with a lot of brain damage. His wife is devoted to him, and she's there caring for him and loving on him. And that picture to me is a lot what it means for me to follow Christ. Because he's caring for me. He's carrying me through this. He loves us. And we can believe in that. But when you're a disciple, the belief and the behavior can't be separated. Our behavior needs to match our belief. And we're going to continue to talk about this next week. So next week we're going to continue talking about this rhythm of Jesus and this idea of what does it mean to, to, to be a Christian and a disciple. So I want to close with this passage. And this is the passage that we were looking at earlier. This is Jesus talking to all of us. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, keep the old life they have, they're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Remember, he's speaking as a rabbi with his students and his apprentices. He's speaking to us. I want to invite the worship team up because they're going to guide us in prayer through music. And um, I want to invite all of you to stand if you're able. And as we look at this rhythm that Jesus is calling us to, it doesn't get any better than doing it together. It's that idea of us all just getting dusty together. So as we pray and sing together, ask yourself, have you enrolled? Are you ready for this? Are you all in? Because if you're all in, does your life match that? Are you leaning forward? Father, we surrender to you the best that we know how. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. Father, for those that are, are still dating and wondering, Lord, give them wisdom. But more than anything, give them your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, about five years ago-ish, might have been more. Time goes by so fast. Um, there was a woman at Branches who I didn't know very well, but I looked up to her um, so much. Just I, I watched her since um, I, we had started coming to Branches, and just her grace and her, um, I don't know, her service to other people, but still being able to kind of uh, maintain who she was. Which I just, I, there was just the way she loved God, everything about her. I was like, I want, I want to be like this person. Um, but it turns out when you, there's a person with all those qualities that they're super busy. Um, and I, I remember talking to Book and asking um, about this person and if, how I could spend more time with them. And, she's, and he said, well, she gets up really early to run. And I was like, okay, all right, I can do that. Once a week, maybe, or something like that. Maybe if she'll have me. And um, she kindly started, um, I called her a couple times, and then she st kindly started um, inviting me to go on these runs with her very early in the morning. And just over time, uh, we, I, she not only became someone who I learned a ton from, but just became a really good friend. Um, and we developed this wonderful relationship, and um, I'm so grateful for her. 
Um, but I just, it makes me think about my relationship with the Lord and how um, when I first knew him, or I learned, learned about him and fell in love with him, um, I, for a while, I, I, it was kind of just like these dates, you know, where I was spending time in the word and that kind of thing, and it, but it wasn't, I, there were, I, we weren't close, it was just this kind of like from afar relationship, and then over time, um, the more longer I started walk, walking with him and studying him and following him, he became a friend as well. Um, and so I just pray for that for all of you guys, um, that you would see the Lord not only as someone um, amazing that you can, you know, research and emulate and enroll in, but also someone that just um, envelops your whole life and becomes um, a real relationship with who, who you are and that changes you and um, becomes love that surrounds you. Um, and keeps you company, like a good friend. I'm um, going to pray, and uh, then don't forget to pick up your kids and help clean up, please. Dear Lord, thank you so much um, for who you are and uh, what you teach us and who you make us to be. May we uh, know you better and become more like you every day. Um, thank you so much uh, for this place uh, that we come to worship you. Thank you for the people that serve you and make it happen. And uh, we just pray in your beautiful name. Amen. <laughs>